Hello. Welcome again to Deep Run Church Online. My name is Brian Lopiccolo. I'm the pastor of Deep Run Church, broadcasting to you from my office off of Main Street in downtown Westminster. It's good to see you again. I'm glad you found us here on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel so that you can get automatic updates every week because we're going to post these videos uh, every Sunday. So our scripture passage today is taken from Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. This is God's Word. As a church, we have been working our way through the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' famous public address, maybe the most famous public address of all time. It's been talked about, written about, commented about more than any other passage in the Bible over the last 2,000 years. And we've been seeing throughout the Sermon on the Mount how Jesus has been saying that in order to truly flourish, uh, in in order to be blessed, he says, uh, we have to possess God's righteousness. We have to possess a righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, Jesus had said in the beginning of the sermon. We have to possess a righteousness that is greater than the best attempts at human religion. If we're truly going to inherit God's kingdom, if we're truly truly going to live the blessed life, a flourishing life right now. And so Jesus opens up another phase of this sermon. The sermon can roughly be divided into three major sections, and we're about to begin the second major section. And so in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So we've just considered six examples of this greater righteousness that Jesus has been talking about. Six examples of how that greater righteousness relates to God's moral law found in the Old Testament. But now Jesus is introducing three examples of how this greater righteousness is going to relate to our personal religion, our practices of personal piety. How does God's greater righteousness that Jesus is saying you must possess How does that relate to your personal religion, your personal practices of spirituality? Jesus gives us the first example in these uh, four verses, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 2 and 3 and 4. And the first example has to do with generosity, personal generosity as your religion. Uh, Generosity in terms of acts of mercy, uh, endeavors that promote social justice, uh, personal giving. You know, in our society, most people uh, 
share a common sense of right and wrong. I mean, most people in our society have a general sense of agreement of, of what's right. Uh, for example, if you log on to Google, uh, you will see right away this phrase that says, do the five, help stop coronavirus. So, so you know, just five basic steps that everybody can take uh, in order to help one another, in order to serve one another, in order in order to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And in general, most people believe that these are five things that we should all do. Just a few people think that that's not necessary. So here's the thing. Uh, in a society where most of us generally, generally agree on what's right, what's right becomes expected. Okay, well, so far, so good. But when what is right becomes what's expected, what's right becomes an established social norm. Now, you still may be thinking, well, that's good. Yeah, sure. Now, here's the thing. Here's where it gets tricky. Here, here's, where, here's where it gets tricky. When you have an established social norm, that can invite social pressure so that you can actually do the right thing for the wrong reasons. For instance, you can do the right thing just in order to avoid the shame of not doing it. Or you can do the right thing secretly to invite praise and recognition and the admiration of other people. That's why this whole thing is tricky. So for instance, there, there's an old Seinfeld episode where George Costanza uh, gets very upset because he, he goes with his girlfriend to, the rest, to a restaurant uh, to, to, to get some food, but he tells his friend Elaine, we'll bring you something back. Elaine wants a big salad brought back. By the way, if you're looking for it, that's the episode. It's called The Big Salad. So George, George buys a big salad takeout to bring home to his friend Elaine, but George's girlfriend takes the salad out of the store and brings it back to the apartment and gives the salad to Elaine. And Elaine says, oh, thank you. And George's girlfriend says, oh, you're welcome. And George is very upset because it appears as though his girlfriend bought the salad when he had bought the salad himself and he can't handle it. He finally has to say to Elaine, he's so bothered by this little thing that he finally has to tell Elaine, I bought the salad. I'm the one who bought it. And Elaine is absolutely flummoxed. She's, she's thinking, you've got to be kidding me. This is the silliest thing. You, you have to take credit for the salad that you bought? Now look, here, here's why I'm bringing this up. None of us want to compare ourselves to George Costanza. The reality is I think we're each a bit more like George Costanza than we're willing to admit. We want credit for the littlest, seemingly inconsequential things that we do for other people. So if you're a Christian, you may be thinking when you read passages like this, uh, how do I simply do the right thing without having mixed motives about it? Uh, and, and especially if you're a Christian and you are in, you are in ministry, uh, like, like, like me, if, if you work in a church or, or in some type of a nonprofit or a humanitarian organization, you wrestle constantly, I'm sure, with the question that I have to deal with regularly, how do you promote what you're doing and what your plans are without parading, right? How, how as Christians do we promote the good that we're doing without parading the good that we're doing, without bragging about it, 
without making a show of it. Now, if you're listening in and you're not a Christian, I'm glad you're with us. Uh, but 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 you may be thinking something more along these lines, uh, because you're not sure if there is a God or if there is a heaven and a hell or if there is an eternity or if there is truly a sense of objective truth and right and wrong. You, you want to know that this life counts. You want to know that the good that you do now really, really does matter. Uh, and I would say to you, maybe the good that you're doing now uh, matters very much. But, but what, if, what if you're on the right side of history now, but you end up being on the wrong side of eternity? What if there is a God and there is objective truth and what if God sees what you're doing, not only publicly, but privately? And what if what you're doing, even the smallest things, really do matter to him? You know, Jesus spoke directly about what motivates our generosity, what motivates our pursuit of social justice, what motivates our acts of mercy. And I hope you're going to see from today's passage that the generosity that pleases God is actually the generosity that is intended for God. The generosity that God loves and rewards is actually the generous things that we do out of a devotion and a love for Him. Not for ourselves and not even for others. And I'm going to talk to you about how the world praises generosity and how God praises generosity how our society and culture and how we naturally praise generosity and how the God of the Bible praises and rewards generosity. So the world in which we live and even our own nature uh, persuade us to do the right thing now and enjoy your reward and satisfaction for it now. Enjoy your reward now is the general way we think. So, so social justice and benevolence, acts of mercy, almsgiving, very important to the God of the Bible. As you read through the, the Old Testament, uh, these are very important things uh, to ancient Israel. And so the Jews of the first century living in Palestine when Jesus was here, uh, social justice, benevolence, mercy, almsgiving, very important to the first century Jews. So Jesus says in verse 2, thus when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So because acts of generosity were culturally admirable, there was the temptation to make a show of it. Because it was a social norm and a good social norm for first century Jews to practice generosity, it was a temptation to make a show of that generosity. So Jesus is not literally saying here, hey, go hire a marching band so that you can brag about buying a salad for your friend uh, or, or giving a meal to a homeless person. Uh, don't take him literally. Uh, the point was... Jesus is saying, don't make a big fuss about it. You do a good thing for somebody, as God wants you to, fine. Don't make a fuss about it. Don't intentionally parade yourself. 
to put it in the words of our day, don't take a selfie with a homeless person and then post it and, and type, oh, I'm, I'm so privileged, I'm, I'm so blessed, I'm so honored to serve my neighbor, or pray for so-and-so, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then, and then you get a thousand likes on social media for your post. And, and what do you have? You have instant gratification. You're a good person and you're doing good things. Or you don't get many likes and you start wondering, huh, what do I have to do for people to notice and appreciate the good that I'm doing? I've, I, think, I think Jesus' words are very hard for us to hear, uh, living in, in a digital, social media-based culture, you know, where, where every time you get on Facebook or Instagram, it, it seems like, like every time we do the simplest things, like, like buying our kid an ice cream cone, we feel compelled to post it. I think it's because we enjoy affirmation, like the ancient Jews and Gentiles did, like, like the people who were hearing Jesus speak these words from the mountainside, I think we enjoy affirmation that we're doing good things and, and that the good things we do really matter. And then we hear these haunting words by Jesus, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. You see, the best fundraising campaigns uh, the names of, of generous benefactors engraved over the entrances to university buildings, uh, the, the murals in the lobbies of hospitals, right? Um, the, the New York Times articles, the Christianity Today articles, the documentaries about humanity's greatest philanthropists and humanitarians. God looks at all of that and really isn't that impressed. Uh, all of those accolades and rewards and, and, and honorary titles and plaques and murals and engravings and articles and documentaries, uh, from God's perspective, that's all for this world and it's all going to die with this world. I remember how one of my seminary professors, uh, Haddon W. Robinson, uh, talked about uh, what he believed was God's mentality on all the recognition uh, he had been given uh, for being one of the most influential preachers in the English-speaking world. You know, articles had been written about him. And he basically said to us during class one day, I I'm going to stand before God, and he's going to say to me, eh, I, I never read all that stuff. I never cared much for those papers and magazines. I do remember, though, how you encouraged that, that one student who was really worried about her grades and, and understanding the course material and, and you comforted her and helped her and counseled her and nobody else saw it, but I saw it. And I remember, I remember things like that. You see, Jesus is reaching back here uh, to, to an Old Testament concept. It's something that the prophet Samuel had to discover uh, when God told him to anoint the youngest and seventh son of Jesse. And God told Samuel, the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So the world will reward you now for the good that you do, only the good that it can see. But God is looking for pure motives, 
beneath the good works that you do. Now, if you've been reading along with us through Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, you, you know that Jesus has been saying all along that true blessedness or true flourishing is bound up in possessing the priorities of the kingdom of God and seeking, thirsting after, hungering after his kingdom more than anything else. So uh, the Bible instructs us and, and really comforts us to enjoy our reward later. Do good now, but, but enjoy the satisfaction of it. Enjoy that later. And so Jesus says in verses 3 and 4, but when you give to the needy, when you give to the needy and, and he uses a wonderful expression here, he says, do not, left your, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. So think about that. Uh, when you do something good, when, 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 when you give a meal or money or some, some type of a, of a generous transaction takes place and you give with your right hand, your left hand is totally ignorant of what's going on. Your left hand is completely ignorant of the transaction. Now, what did Jesus mean by that? Do, do we literalistically interpret that as, oh, I, I guess I can't record my charitable giving donations on my tax return? No, that's not what Jesus is saying at all. Of course, uh, record your generous donations on your tax return. Okay, but what Jesus is saying is this, don't morally account for the good that you've done. Don't keep personal tabs on the good that you've done. John Stott summarizes it by putting it this way. Christian giving is to be marked by self-sacrifice and self-forgetfulness, not by self-congratulation. Or let's think about this in another way. A mother's generosity is so instinctive. Uh, it pervades everything she does in the home throughout the day for her children. Uh, so instinctive, it's commonplace. Uh, right? The good that a mother does for her children is taken for granted by her children. They don't even notice it. And many times she doesn't even notice it. A lot of the good that she does for her children is even unconscious to her. It's very important, but it's very normal. It's unassuming. She's not looking for praise. She loves her children, and, and in a sense, her reward is they grow up to be productive people and love her back. And in a sense, that unassuming, pervasive, commonplace way of caring for your children, that, that's how God cares for us. That's why David in Psalm 17 was able to say to God, hide me in the shadow of your wings. It's a very maternal expression and image. So your generosity, your social justice, your acts of mercy should be so commonplace that you're not seeking praise. You're not seeking recognition. It's just naturally what you do. Now, now yes, of course, there are some endeavors on a global scale, on a cultural scale. Um, there are some endeavors and projects um, and acts of, of mercy that, that should be, that must be promoted, that must be publicized, uh, that must be reported on. Uh, think, think of movements like abolition or the civil rights movement 
of the mid-1900s. Think of uh, today the plight of refugees around the world or on the Mexican border. Think Think of the plight of the unborn. Think of the plight of those who are trafficked. Think of the plight of those who are not only incarcerated, but who are serving unjust sentences. Promoting information on a widespread scale can bring unity and it can bring accountability, which is necessary to ensure that systemic wrongs are made right. So in verse 1, Jesus is not implying that all good works before other people are wrong. That cannot be true because Jesus and his apostles after him in public many times healed the sick and even raised the dead before other people. That's not the issue. The key phrase in verse 1 is, doing these things in front of other people, quote-unquote, in order to be seen by them. That's what Jesus is getting at. He's getting at your motive for the good that you're doing, whether it's in front of other people or whether it's private. Normally, you should not be seeking attention for the good that you're doing. Modest, simple generosity reflects the heart of God in his son's and daughters. So the Christian has an opportunity to seek and to explore avenues of generosity and mercy and social justice that allow you to please God, not please yourself. Social justice, mercy, generosity that allows you to please him, whether people see it or whether people never know about it, so that your life can reflect In the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 2, the concept that for the Christian, his or her praise is not from man, but from God. So ask yourself, what's your motivation for the good that you do? Ask yourself, what's my motivation for the good causes that I represent and stand for and promote and tell other people about? What's my motivation? You know, the evidence of your motivation, the proof of what's motivating you, is not found in the amount of your gift. It's not found in the severity of your sacrifice. The proof of what's motivating you is not found in the popularity of the cause or, or, or the means by which you are generous or the organization you represent or support. No. The motivation of your heart is often revealed in the surrounding circumstances and habits that you portray. Here's what I'm saying. The evidence of what is motivating you to do good things and to support good things is whether you are positioning yourself to be noticed by default or whether you are positioning yourself to be overlooked by default? Are you positioning yourself habitually to be noticed by default or to be overlooked by default? It's okay if people see it. It's okay, it's okay if people know, but are you trying to be seen or are you trying to be unseen? When, when you instinctively or, or compulsively post a picture or a comment, on social media, 
Is it for the joy of what you're doing? Or is it for the recognition of it? Ask yourself. And ask God to reveal it to you. Because if you want the credit and the recognition for the most outrageous acts of kindness or the simplest acts of kindness, if you want the credit or the recognition for bandaging refugees at the border or for buying your friend a salad, Jesus says to you, enjoy your reward now. Enjoy it now. Your name engraved on a plaque, uh, a thousand likes on your post, uh, your name mentioned in the program of, of, uh, of a dinner uh, that supports a worthy cause. Enjoy your, if that's what you're looking for, enjoy your reward now because you're not, you're not going to get a reward later because God is not impressed with that stuff. There, there is a type of generosity that God is impressed with. There is a type of generosity that God loves, and he loves to reward those who express and display this type of generosity. Notice how he ends the passage. He, conclu- he concludes it in verse 4 by saying, And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. So, for the last few hundred years, and, and I'm not a philosopher, so this is a gross and probably unfair exaggeration or generalization, but philosophers for centuries, who, uh, philosophers who do not believe in the existence of God or, or, who, or who cannot trust in any uh, sense of objective truth, uh, these philosophers for centuries have, have tried to establish a way of doing what is right without the existence of God or objective truth. Uh, and and this, is, this is known as altruism. Uh, altruism is basically doing good out of a sense of moral duty. As I had talked about earlier last week, a sense of obligation that is disconnected to any reward. Okay, so doing good out of a sense of duty disconnected for any desire or any hope of any kind of reward or recognition. Now that sounds good. But Jesus, have you noticed, Jesus is saying just the opposite here. Jesus is saying that there is a right motivation for seeking reward. He not only says to do good, but but he says to do good in secret. And then he says there's actually a right reason for seeking reward and affirmation and praise. So is, is he contradicting himself? No. Jesus is saying, seek the reward and the praise of your heavenly Father who loves you and has told you to love others, to love your neighbor as yourself. He loves it when you do that because he knows that you're doing that because you love him above all else. Remember that when God came to visit us, The Son of God came as a servant and not a ruler. So if you read the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2, verses uh, 3 through 11, and I'll just summarize it, but Paul basically says this. The Son of God came, and even though he was God, he didn't use the God card. Jesus came, and he didn't play the God card. He emptied himself. He became a humble servant 
and it sent him, it brought him, his, his willingness to be a humble servant brought him to a Roman, a Roman cross where he died a humiliating, shameful death. So what we learn from the gospel, this good news, is that the greatest act of generosity ever committed was displayed publicly for everybody to see, and not just humanity. The Bible tells us that the death of Christ on a cross was a spectacle even to angels and to demons. But it was not a self-serving act. The death of Christ on a cross was a self-giving act. It was a self-forgetting act. And it was for love. It was for the love of his heavenly Father. And it was for the love of those of us that he desired to reconcile to himself. And here's what's interesting. The death of Christ, the self-giving act of generosity that Christ committed on the cross was not only for love, it was for the joy of receiving the reward of his heavenly Father. We are told by the author of the book of Hebrews that for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. He looked forward to the loving approval of his heavenly Father for whom he did all things, and he looked forward with joy at the reconciliation of guilty sinners to become a part of his blessed family forever. And Paul summed it all up by saying in Philippians chapter 2, Therefore God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Can I get an amen out there? Say amen on your couch. You see what Paul is saying to us? That there is a right reason to seek the reward and the pleasure and the praise of your heavenly Father. God loves to reward his children for their generous acts of love, and we know that because God rewarded Jesus for the ultimate generous sacrifice. So while you pursue personal generosity, and while you pursue social justice and causes and acts of mercy, while you do these good things now, wait for God's reward later. Don't seek a temporary reward for men and women now. Do good now. Wait for God's reward later. If you are a Christian, don't, don't stay weary in doing good things, as the Apostle Paul said. Do good now because God loves you and wants you to love your neighbor. Do good now and wait for the words to come one day when you will stand before your Lord and he will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. If you think of the book, Shoeless Joe, which was made in, into the movie Field of Dreams, Doc Graham, Doc Graham gave up his opportunity to be a ball player and he became a doctor. And at the end, at the end of the book, at the end of the movie, he gave up his dream to be a ball player in order to save a little girl's life. And, and, and after that, after that, he heard his, his, 
his his sports idol, Shoeless Joe Jackson, say to him, hey, rookie, you were good. And friends, honestly, I feel like the, the goal of, of my Christian walk, as God is sanctifying me through my personal religion and devotion to him, is, 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 is God's plan for me is that I will simply do things. I will simply live my life longing to hear those words from my Lord Jesus. Hey, kid, you were good. I saw the things that you did that nobody else saw. I knew what you were doing. And it meant the world to me. You were doing those things as though you were doing them for me. And I took those good things that nobody else saw. I took them personally and I was blessed by them. And I am so proud of you. Come, come and inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. Well done, good and faithful servant. On my best days, that's my goal. If you are not a Christian, if you are not a Christian, what if, what if there is a more pure reward out there than the acknowledgments and the pats on the back and the likes that you're getting today for the good that you do? What if there is a more pure reward from a truly holy and righteous judge who judges rightly and perfectly all of your best efforts all, all and without prejudice? without any misunderstanding, fully understands what you've done in public and in private, fully understands your motivations, fully sees all the good that you've been doing. And even though people don't understand you and don't see it now, he sees it. What if there is a God out there who will rightly judge and purely judge the good that you've done, right? And, and yes, yes, it is scary to think that that same judge also sees the bad that you do in secret, the corruption, the hypocrisy, the mixed motives, the things that you don't want anybody knowing about you or seeing about you. It's scary to think that that same judge sees all the bad that you've done in secret. So why not let Jesus cover all of that? Let Jesus Christ, let his perfect generosity, forgive all of the bad that you've done, and let the good that you do now be done in loving and grateful response to all that Jesus did and gave up because he loved you. The generosity that pleases God is the generosity that is intended for God. Our best intentions, look, look, our, our best intentions are mixed. We all know this. And, and many people parade their good deeds for instant praise now. But the meek, the merciful, the pure in heart, the pure-hearted children of God. Go back and read the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. The meek, merciful, pure-hearted children of God they almost hide the good deeds that they do because they know that God sees and they are seeking his reward and they are willing to patiently wait for it. So seek and explore avenues of personal generosity and justice and mercy that allow you to please your Father who is in heaven.
Let's pray. Our Father, uh, in closing, I'm, I'm just going to apply on our behalf the words of the old Irish hymn. Riches we heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou, our inheritance, now and always. Thou and thou only, first in our hearts. High King of heaven, our treasure thou art. Amen. Well, it's been great spending another Sunday morning with you. Thanks for joining us online. Once again, subscribe to this YouTube channel and you'll get reminders every weekend. You'll get reminders from us every weekend. You'll also get, if you're a part of Deep Run Church, you'll get midweek reminders of what's going on in the life of our congregation and opportunities that you would have, even though we have to be apart, uh, physically apart at this time. Uh, so uh, once again, uh, deeprunchurch.org is where you can find out about us. It's where you can find our sermon recordings, not videos, but but you can find all of our sermon sermon recordings on deeprunchurch.org. You can also find links to our MOPS page, Mothers of Preschoolers. You can find uh, links to our YouTube channel there and, and to many other good resources. And uh, you can also find uh, information on deeprunchurch.org about how you can still give uh, to Deep Run if you are committed to Deep Run Church and if you are committed to Jesus Christ. Uh, that's all for now. I am praying for you. God bless you this weekend. God bless you this week. And we'll see you again next Sunday. Bye-bye.